Welcome to the Veridical Podcast. I'm Jack Cesare. Alright, you are hopefully listening to this before the new year, if not shortly after. And I wanted to take some time to reflect on this year and see if there's any notes we can take on the year to come. I am not one to think that the turnover of a year marks the change in anything, nor do I think it should be the signifier of a need for change. I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. I really do subscribe to the philosophy that if it's worth doing uh, on January 1st, then it's worth doing right now. That said, the 365-day calendar really does leave you in a state of refreshment on January 1st. And a lot of people develop hopes and aspirations for the next year. Whether anything truly changes between December and January isn't really the point. So, that said, I thought we should reflect on some of the biggest points of this year. Now, though I've never been accused of being too joyful, I try not to be deliberately cynical. I try to be rational, and I try to look at things through realistic and practical lenses. That said, I don't think I stand alone when I say this year was pretty terrible, and the global events were terrible. The issues faced this year were not Americentric. In fact, the first point to reflect on uh, was the Russian invasion of Ukraine in February. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on each point. I don't want to go into each point and give a full, detailed exposition, but I just want to reflect on it. And I want to reflect how we all felt that first day. Now, actually, it happened at nighttime here, and I remember staying up till 2 a.m. watching live, uh, live news feeds. And it was the first time since Iraq and Afghanistan we really saw a boots-on-the-ground invasion. And I was in tears, honestly. Now, I had some people I surrounded myself with who, in 2021, were telling me to keep an eye on that region. And I remember Vice did a... Honestly, every now and then, Vice does do a good, a good video. But Vice did a video... Uh, kind of breaking down the tension on the border. And I remember in this video, one of the Ukrainians was killed by a sniper. And this happened before the invasion. The war had already begun. And I remember going to school, and the overwhelming support for Ukrainians was amazing. It was beautiful. Here in Dallas, Texas, you could find so many businesses flying the Ukrainian flag. And it appeared that all of society, all of society globally, had one concurrence that unjustified invasions of countries for tyrannical means will not be tolerated. Now, if this happened 100 years ago, in 1920, that would just be the way the world worked. But we have evolved as a society much further past that. Now, when I covered the book Homo Deus by Yuval Noah Harari, he brings this point up. War 
and these egotistical uh, monarchs are kind of a thing of the past. Now, we had a weird egotistical president, and we observed the whole Brexit fiasco and Boris Johnson and his rhetoric, but as far as invading another country, full-on military invasion, that's been pretty unheard of until now. But my point is, the response from the world was beautiful, and we saw conservatives and liberals both concurring that we need to intervene somehow, either by sending troops directly there, or at least aiding the Ukrainians. But as time and our society ran its course, it devolved, of course. And we had to watch the politicalization of different events. Somehow, conservatives here in America, somehow, I don't know, but somehow, they managed to blame Biden in some way. And I've said it before, Biden, he's pretty embarrassing. He's not the greatest president. But what did he have to do with this? And many conservatives were saying that if Trump was here, this would never have happened. Well, do I have to remind anyone how strong the affinity for Russia was with Trump? Yeah, Trump would probably aid the Russians. Now, that's just my unenlightened observation. But returning to the point, it appears in the past two months, something terrible has happened. We now observe many fringe uh, people on the right. I don't want to just group them all together. Many fringe individuals, but still an amount with a large following, are demonizing any support for Ukraine. And this demonization is scary. We see people making fun of Zelensky. Take Charlie Kirk. If you, right now, open your phone and dare to go to this joke of a man's Instagram, look at what he paints Zelensky as. He is making fun of him wearing a costume to meet with Biden. Now, Zelensky came in pants and a t-shirt. Uh, they're military pants and t-shirt. He didn't come in a full uniform. And they're saying it's a costume. Now, Zelensky, as the amazing leader he is, is on the battlefield. Of course he's not on the front lines. But he's with the troops in his country, fighting. He's not being hushed away to Europe to live in a safe house. No, he's staying in Ukraine with bombs dropping around him. Yeah, he's wearing the average outfit of a leader of a country that's in the middle of a damn war. I have been so unmotivated and so discouraged with the demonization of Ukrainians as this develops. There's literally people out there saying, maybe Russia does have a right to some of this. Maybe Russia isn't doing the wrong thing. Maybe there are really Nazis in Ukraine. Who knows? It is these kinds of ideas that 
allow Putin to have a grip on us that he really shouldn't have. It is permissing bad behaviors. And what's really at the root of all this is pride. We cannot stand the idea of a president or a politician that we slightly disagree with doing something pretty standard, like helping a country at war. And of course this goes both ways. Of course there are some conservative politicians that could never please someone on the fringe left. Yeah, absolutely. There appears to be a problem with the money and the finances involved with helping Ukraine. That seems to be the biggest problem that people bring up. As if we are sending them hard cash. No, most of the funds are sent in the form of weapons or aid. It appears the Tucker Carlson's and Charlie Kirk's of the world are not fans of this. Yet when you look at our military budget, this is a sliver of it. It's not like this money is coming out of the pockets of Americans. I mean, I guess it is. The military is funded by tax dollars. But this is money that would be going into the military regardless. It makes no sense to be upset that military funds, which are already pre-allocated to the military, are going to help Ukraine. There's no reason. Now, there's an extensive history to Ukraine. I am not fully literate on it. A lot of it is pre-World War II even. So, a lot of these borders were established after World War II ended. But I encourage y'all to go and listen to some of the testimonies of Russians who are very literate on this. I know Sam Harris had a episode with Timothy Snyder and another episode with Gary Kasparov, which is just awesome. If you know who Gary Kasparov is, the greatest chess player of all time, um, he, he is from Russia. So I know a lot of the more thorough walkthroughs on the geopolitics are done there. And from there, uh, once you have even a small understanding of the situation, the question of does Russia have the rights to the land or not dissolves. And the real question comes up of how do we handle this? What is the actual outcome of this? What is the highest probability that this ends in a redrawing of borders? It is okay to have debates on the Ukraine situation. It's okay to have debates on how much money should go and in what form the money goes. But to demonize, or, or rather to exonerate the Russians and Putin in this is despicable. And it's a great shame to see so many people in my camp supporting Russia all of a sudden. Truthfully, this conflict will hopefully wind down with Russia realizing their defeat. Their morale on the front line is terrible. The And the valiant Russian citizens who are rioting and protesting Putin in the streets, uh, it's just a great thing to see. Very uh, empowering. Lots of bravery, too. Um, we can only hope that this will die down. And we can only hope that justice will be truly served. We cannot let Putin off the hook with this one. Now, there's other topics I want to talk about, but this is a big one. And it's one we need to not take our eyes off of. I've been equally discouraged 
with seeing how quickly a major event in the news is disregarded almost literally a week later. Take the pullout out of Afghanistan, for example. Okay, this was a terrible thing to observe. Now, I know this happened in 2021, but I'm just using it as an example. Think, think back. How long did it take for people to stop talking about this? How long did it take for this to go to the backfiling cabinet of your mind? Right? We saw people raining down from the sky, falling off of a plane. And we were super proactive about donating to charities to help the Afghan refugees, going to support um, the Americans and other Westerners in Afghanistan, and a lot of support for the underground church. And then it just died, literally out of nowhere. It appears in the pace of life. We just forgot about it all. Now, I understand the grim reality is that society and the pace of the world today throws so many problems at us, it's hard to keep up. And I don't think the solution is to be less exposed. I understand a lot of people take the approach that we should uh, block ourselves out from the news because there's so much of it and it's so hindering to our cognition that it's just blatantly unhealthy. I understand this, and I agree to a certain degree. But it's so hard for me, personally, to be detached from it all. If there was a major world event happening, and I wasn't in on the loop, I would feel so left out, and so useless, even though, once I do have that information, I'm probably not going to make a big impact in that side of the world. I feel the power of conversation is vital, and if I'm not informed about certain topics, then I can't converse about them. Now, I understand many of y'all may feel that you need to take a break from the news and step back and delete some of these apps that are informing you of certain things. I understand. But I would encourage you to think of practical things you can do to make a difference. And that sounds cliche. I understand. But the word I want to rest on is practical. All of your thoughts, all of your solutions to various problems need to be practical. They need to be feasible. They need to be simply possible. This is why hyperpartisanship is a dead-end philosophy. If your policy or your idea or your solution can't include everyone, every clear-thinking person, then it's not viable. And you may be wondering what this has to do with the overloading stress we face from various problems. But I think they're intertwined. Though problems can be a big detriment to our well-being, there's a lot of upside to mass cooperation. I really feel when I'm working cohesively with multiple people on a big problem, there's some positive thing some good, well-being inciting thing that happens to me. I don't know what it is, but it happens. Unification over various schools of thought can be a very empowering thing because it shows the commonality we have together. Oftentimes, when I'm disparaged over other Christians, I, 
ironically, get reminded of what I have in common with them. And I'm always surprised to find I have so much more in common with people I disagree with than I have not in common. This realization really floods my mind with ease and encouragement. And I ask that you take time to think of all the areas you are extremely polarized and examine what you have in common with the others. Notice what happens to a lot of your hostility. Now, this doesn't mean that disagreements still need to be parsed out. And this doesn't mean that we can't criticize bad ideas. But the animosity and the useless and unhelpful aspects of our views can erode away. To refine a more practical, helpful, and useful sculpture of ourselves. Another thing that happened this year was the gradual decline of the COVID-19 virus. This is so relieving to observe. I mean, no one enjoyed the past two years. N no school of thought was at ease with COVID. That, that much is clear. Now, I'm not going to spend time criticizing anti-vaxxers, though there's much to criticize. I'm not going to spend much time criticizing lab leak theorists, though there's much to criticize there. I just want to talk about its gradual decline and what this means for our country and our global society. So, we will see the re-emergence of the mass commerce market. Capitalism will slowly unfold to what it was before COVID, but I don't think it's going to happen as quickly as we think it will. A lot of these companies, though finally picking up pace again, have a lot of debt from loans they took out during COVID. It's not an immediate bounce back. And if you're involved in the stock market, you're seeing this. You are seeing red numbers every day for this reason, even though the economy is starting back up again. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm very illiterate on the topic. But for those with stocks, stay the course. Stay the course. Hold on to your assets. Just wait. But this is not to talk about the financial aspect of it all. It's to talk about just what COVID has done to us as individuals and as a society. Now, of course, this happened during 2020 and 2021. But 2022 was unique in its own sense. Because COVID is something we thought wouldn't last into 2022. <laughs> Yet it did. Now, not as prevalent, but still around. And this is one of the marks of the year that we can be grateful for. Now, like I said in the beginning of the episode, January 1st, COVID will not evaporate. But it will thankfully stop defining our lives. I say this because... I just had COVID this Christmas, and even though I'm asymptomatic, I still observed it wreck my girlfriend's grandmother and my girlfriend as well. And my grandmother just got diagnosed with COVID. And so it's a, it really isn't gone, but <laughs> hopefully it is uh, going to continue to dissipate. Also this year, we got to witness the Iranian protests over the niqab, the hijab, and the burqa. Nothing 
but absolute respect for those women. And, ironically, this seems to be something that the left should be all over, in support of. However, the left, at least the fringe left, needs to walk on eggshells because they're so sympathetic to the Muslim culture. They're too afraid to address some of its skeletons in the closet. I think it is safe to say that a plausible reading of the Hadith and the Quran does not lend major exoneration and support of women. I'm going to avoid stepping on the landmine of saying it dehumanizes them, but I'll say that you can't plausibly say it elevates them or views them in a great light. Right? So uh, a parallel to this is you wouldn't be able to say pacifism is the clear message of the Muslim faith or the Christian faith for that matter where you could say it is with Jainism. And I think that's all I have to say about that. Uh, there's certainly more to unpack there, but I really just want to focus on the protests and the social unrest in Iran. Though this is not joyful, and though this is not pretty on the surface, this is a necessary obstruction of peace. I hesitate to even say it's, a, it's an obstruction of peace, because it's not like there was peace there. It was just suppression. And so to see people finally standing and revolting against a idiotic and barbaric and archaic regime is wonderful. And I only wish there was more support. But again, like I said, because the fringe left has to walk on eggshells on this topic, and can't address it for what it truly is, it means there's less support than we could truly be giving it. This really is something that you, as an individual, can have an effect on from this side of the world, right? A lot of this is unfolding on social media, and though I'm not saying social media is this great and healthy and helpful um, thing, it is certainly the location where a lot of this is unfolding. And giving voice and credit to a lot of the people in Iran who are on social media and are speaking up against this will elevate them and give them an even bigger megaphone against their government. The truth is, as long as people are being elevated where they need to be elevated and given voice where they need to have voice, that government, the archaic aspects of it, will erode. And this is just a reflection on history. When we look at other tyrannical states, the way you keep your people in line is remove their ability to speak about it. Look at all the countries that are extremely distasteful on the human rights aspects. If they have an established government, Right, so I'm excluding places like Somalia, where there's just no government. But take a place like North Korea, or Russia, or China, where there's mass suppression of freedom of speech, and a lot of suppression of blatant truth. It is hard to get a good word out there. But with social media, 
and all of the advances it makes, this can finally change. So, pay attention to what's happening in Iran. This really is a ugly but also beautiful event. Now, there was probably a million things worthy of ending up on this episode, but I just wanted to have a quick episode to have some reflections personally, and I want y'all to personally reflect on a lot of the things and the highlights of this year. And I want us to acknowledge that we can't control what happens to us and around us, but we control how we react. And how we react is probably the most critical part of it all. I encourage all of y'all to look into the practice of Dzogchen mindfulness. Now, I got into this with Sam Harris, but there's other entryways. Although his app, I think, is the number one meditation app ever. So, maybe start there. Uh, mindfulness has really changed my life. I kind of want to devote a full episode to the topic. Uh, although I think it would take many episodes. And I don't even think after many episodes, we could even scratch the surface of what is happening there. The mindfulness practices I'm referencing really try to figure out the nature of consciousness. Now, of course, that's not something we'll ever really truly be able to do, at least I don't think anytime soon. It's an experience to examine it. And mindfulness practices have changed how I am in the moment because it truly helps me realize now really is all I have. You really do spend most of your day just getting through things, waiting for the next thing which you will still just slug through. And that is no way to live life. Though I am guilty of living like that many times, my practicing has limited that. And the more I practice, the more times throughout my days, I have these moments of returning to the moment. And these are wonderful. These are life-saving experiences. So I encourage all y'all to at least look into that and see what it really does to your reactions to different things in the news, different things in, with your friend circle or your family. How you react is critical. And if there's ways that we can change how we react to particular issues, we would be masochistic not to take those opportunities. Though again, I don't think January 1st should really change much of how we live. We can look towards these uh, upcoming quarters with a different perspective. One that enables less partisan thoughts, more unifying agendas, and we can take steps towards a global civilization that really is beneficial for the next generation. There's an artist who I love, his name is Propaganda, and he uses the term terraform, which is when you go to a place, how you shape that place to be more like Earth. But we can also terraform here, and how we terraform is what defines our cultures, our norms, and our taboos. And we need to realize we are terraforming right now. This podcast is terraforming. You, when you wake up and 
venture outside of your house are terraforming. How do we want to terraform this earth? We have the ability to tell better stories. What stories do we want to tell? As I part with y'all, I'm going to leave with some words from Propaganda himself. Truth is fresh dressed, like a million bucks, waving her hands, yelling at the top of her lungs, standing on its head. You're pissed at the Wi-Fi. It's too slow. This has been the Veridical Podcast. Thanks for embarking on this with me. Have a happy new year. God bless.